Greetings and welcome to The Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman. It is time to bring the orange yet again. Today we're talking about pure as a service and the tipping point for storage as a service. Really great stuff. Two guests today, Rob Walters, GM of the Pure as a Service Business Unit, and Josh Petty, Director of Marketing for Pure as a Service. Rob, welcome to the program. It's about time we got you on. Great to be here, Rob. Absolutely. Always good to have a second Rob on the uh, program. And Mr. Josh Petty, JP, as we call you from here on out. Uh, welcome, man. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, let us um, dive in. You guys are both uh, somewhat recent. What's it been? Uh, six, nine months or so? Or, or Rob, have you been here a year now? No, six months for me. Six months. Okay. Yeah. And JP, you're about the same, right? Uh, pretty close. Four okay. or five months. Um, impressions, Rob, I'll start with you. How are things going here at Pure for you? What, what's been interesting that you've seen coming in and what's, what's your background prior to this? Okay, so background, um, most immediately before Pure, I was at AWS. I was the GM for two of the search services, uh, Cloud Search and Elasticsearch Service. Uh, I've done some other cloud stuff before that, some managed hosting companies too, and I actually started out in enterprise IT some 20 plus years ago. Kind of like all of us some 20 plus years ago. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then observations since I've been here. I mean, one of the things I was very interested in when I was looking at Pure was um, whether the culture would be the same on the inside as the outside. I mean, the company does a fantastic job of sort of um, sharing what it looks like externally. And, and it's honestly, it, there have been no disappointments in, in, internally. I mean, it's, it's a great uh, collaborative environment. I'm really enjoying it so far. Oh, great to hear that. Yeah. And that's something, you know, when I do interviews with, with folks, that's a question I get a lot. It's like, well, I read a lot of things culturally. You know, you guys say this, is that really true? And, and I, I love hearing it reaffirmed, right? When people come in that it's, it's actually something true. How about you, JP, your experience, background, how's Pure been? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been fantastic so far. So uh, I've, I started with uh, VMware in the early days and then went to a software defined storage startup and then bounced from there into Dell, where I worked in as a chief strategist and then into a platform as a service startup um, about a year and a half ago. So I joined in January and so far the experience has been amazing. Uh, what I love about Pure is that it's an idea-based culture. Uh, there are ideas that come from the top, there are ideas that come from the bottom and they all meet in the middle and turn into really interesting products and, and goes uh, go to market action. So the culture, again, just to echo what Rob said, is fantastic, and I'm loving it. Yeah, you and I were scrambling this last weekend working on a few things, and it reminded us of some of those, some of those corporate cultures from 15, 20 years ago where you're just rolling and rolling as quickly as you can to get things done. But it's all fun. It's all, uh, it's all a good time. Um, Rob, I'll shift back to you, and, and you know, we'll kind of navigate through this throughout the conversation here, but um, you know, you're head of the Peers of Service uh, business unit. Why, why a business unit around that offering? I mean, we have business units for, for the various products and for Pure One. Um, what, what's changed that, that's brought this, uh, this offering to prominence enough to actually put a focus and put you in, in charge of that? I would say uh, that the main reason is, is customer demand. I mean, okay. you look at the macro trends um, as a service consumption of on-prem IT is, you know, starting to catch up to the public cloud demand that we've seen over the last decade. You know, customers have been asking whether they can get some of those same benefits on-prem. And so, you know, with, with that in mind, uh, you know, Pure launched what was ES2 at the time more than two years ago. So, you know, companies been doing this for a long time, but as Customers, you know, were asking about it more and more. You know, it needed its own areas of investment and roadmap. 
etc. It just became more and more of an area of focus for the company, hence the need for a, a completely separate BU. Got it. Understood. Well, Josh, how do we get here? Like, let's go back a little bit, right? Because, uh, you know, I did a, co a conversation with Paul Ferraro a while back, and he's got a fun talk track around user-based economies and as-a-service types of things. And, you know, the shift that we've been seeing, right? Look at, look at uh, you know, automobile, you know, Uber types of things, right, as, as user-based. But those seem to be very popular in B2C, um, has it been kind of the rise of cloud services that has brought on this, this demand for, you know, as a service on-prem storage, or is this just a natural progression of, of that user-based economy, and now we're just seeing it kind of in IT? Personally, I think it's a little bit of a mix. Okay. Uh, I think that customers, you know, we've, we've started using cloud services, you know, years ago. And customers are very familiar with that. And the one thing that resonates at the CIO and the CFO office is the predictability. Mm. You know, costs can be high, costs can be low. I just need to know what the costs are. Uh, and that predictability of cost uh, has been one of the, the key triggers for uh, many of the deals that we've done in uh, Pure as a Service. Uh, I think beyond that, it's not just the, uh, the predictability of costs, but people are looking for that cloud type of elasticity. Uh, they're looking for solutions they can't outgrow. So it's just a natural uh, model uh, for those type of customers to be able to get those predictable costs in a way that they know they can continue to consume, uh, consume more, consume less over time. But it's, and, and Rob, I'll get back to you. I mean, it, it seems like, you know, we've had these things for, you know, obviously there's cloud consumption, but there's always been sort of the specter of financing, right? And different creative financing options. What, what is truly different about this that makes it not just a, a financial engineering model, but really a true sort of flexible consumption as a service, you know, scale up, scale down? What, what's, what's the distinction there? So the, the, the keys to, to doing a model like this correctly are one, that the provider has entire ownership, right? So to make, you know, to be an OPEX model, um, the customer cannot own or even specifically be able to identify the, the assets, right? That's sort of the, you know, the, the OPEX law, if you like. Um, an on-demand model being the lead as opposed to sort of an afterthought uh, is critical because that's where the, the business flexibility that JP was just mentioning comes in. So, you know, we, we lead with the on-demand model although customers have absolutely the choice to commit uh, based on term and capacity for um, storage needs that they know will be uh, longer lasting, but they can keep as much business agility through on demand as, as they need. Uh, and then finally, uh, we, we have an, um, a unified subscription across on-prem and cloud. And so this takes away a lot of the risk of cloud migrations, or even just you know managing two disparate vendors, right? right if you can right, do it through yeah. the same vendor in the same bill, and, and you know, and the timeline is 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 based on your business needs, um, you you get a lot of the protections that JP was talking about in terms of cost control as well. Okay, all right, makes sense. Well, and and JP, it sounds like a lot like we're talking about risk reduction here. Right. I mean, that's that's one of the main you've got risk with with IT staffing. Um, some of the things that we hear historically is, you know, not having enough storage when you need it and and or potentially having too much. Right. So it does. Does, does the risk aspect kind of outweigh some of these other variables just that, you know, we're providing something that's really flexible to scale up and down and, and it eliminates that, you know, keeps you up at night type of thing. Absolutely. So the, the operational risk reduction is, is a tangible thing. 
the other thing that's that I get when I talk to customers uh, and partners is that anytime you spend money, there's a risk. We all know that. That's that's mm-hmm. what buyer's remorse is based on. Right, right. Uh, when you spend, there's risk. And customers are interested in these models because if I can limit my spend this year, that money you know turns into improved cash flows that I can then address other risks in the business, like IT skills gap, uh, you know, potentially uh, other issues around you know trying to uh, diversify into other data centers, MSPs. It gives me a lot of cash to work with. So there are some tangible benefits around reducing uh, over-provisioning and under-provisioning risk. Uh, but really long-term for a CIO and a CFO, being able to limit my spend this year uh, gives me so much flexibility and takes so much risk out of my 18 to 24 month budgets. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and then Rob, I'll kick, I mean, you know, this was something that was ramping and growing and then, you know, we hit the interesting circumstances we're in now. So how, how much, how many more engagements are we having now around these types of conversations, giving the shift to remote workforces and, and some of the uncertainty with things going on? My, I would imagine that, that we've probably seen these conversations probably escalate just this calendar year. Absolutely. I mean, uh, this has been one of those sort of examples which, you know, you, you wish would not have happened. But yeah. looking back could be, as you mentioned right up front, kind of a tipping point mm-hmm. uh, for this type of economic model and service consumption model. Um, you know, there is a big picture, you know, macroeconomic trend towards consuming services on-prem and in, in, in the hybrid cloud. But I think, you know, this, this year's events have really brought that to uh, a focal point for many, many customers. And they're looking to conserve cash and they're looking to, um, you know, exercise their sort of fiduciary responsibilities uh, while delivering the, their business needs. And, and consuming, you know, in an as-service model is a great way for them to do that. So yes, we have seen a lot more interest in this model in, in the course of the last three, four months. What, uh, Rob? What's what's the typical conversation like with with you know an existing customer or a prospect, right? And it's interesting you come from you know the AWS side previously, so you know kind of the cloud-like experience conversations. Is it is it very akin to that? Is it similar? Are you, are you talking about the different facets that are very cloud-like in consumption, or or is it something else? Uh, I would say we, we tend to have sort of two two types of, of conversations depending on where organizations are in their cloud journey. Okay. Um, you know, we, we're still seeing a lot of customers who are seeing the biggest sort of bang for the buck in the short term by the sort of CapEx to OpEx migration because that enables them to save a lot of money this year. But then they kind of start to understand the benefits throughout, you know, the conversations that we have of the operational benefits, the self-service aspects that we bring too. And then the second type of conversation is those who've sort of already understood the sort of the full package value of as a service consumption. And they're asking about all those aspects on, on day one. Um, but I mean, you know, we're, we're very, very happy to take customers at you know, any point in their journey and, and bring them with us. Um, you know, we do a lot of education and making sure that customers can see the full benefits because that also helps them make a smart decision for what else is available in the market too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, you mentioned the point about kind of that unified subscription or that cloud connectivity also being a benefit, right? You, you kind of minimize some of the complexity around those different types of models or the different people that you have to work with, right? Which, you know, adds more risk. Absolutely. I mean, everybody has a cloud strategy that they have to either execute on or come up with soon. Yeah. And so if you, you know, sign up with a provider like Pure who has that kind of covered for you, it doesn't matter whether you can, whether you actually are able or want to execute on that today, but we have it when you're ready and you don't need to come back and renegotiate a new contract or learn some new technologies. It's there and it looks the same. It's consistent and the pricing is the same and it's covered by your unified subscription. So we de-risk a lot of that kind of future yeah. cloud migrations for customers. Absolutely. Um, 
JP, let me shift to you because you've been, you know, in and around IT and particularly in storage for a while. Um, is it interesting to you to see some of the architectural things that we've done at Pure and, and what that enables for this type of service offering? You know, you've got Evergreen, you've got the ability to do non-disruptive upgrades, lots of flexibility, uh, intuitive management, are all the, those things all kind of are part and parcel of being able to offer this kind of service and do it really in a streamlined fashion. Absolutely. So the planet's kind of aligned for Pure to be able to deliver as a service. Mm -hmm. you know, it starts with all flash. If you think, you know, to the days of, you know, cabinets full of spinning media, right. trying to deliver as a service uh, with any type of SLA would have been a management nightmare and the cost would have been through the roof. So, you know, obviously, you know, our all flash platforms paved the way for that. You know, moving beyond that evergreen, if you're delivering a utility, you expect that, you know, if you, if you turn your air conditioner on, uh, you're not going to have the electric company dragging an extra line to your house to support that. <laughs> yeah. um, with with Pure as a Service, as a true utility, uh, with Evergreen, we're able to scale up, down, completely non-disruptively, and those are the kinds of things that you have to have. Uh, beyond that, we've got AI-based monitoring. Imagine if you had a knock full of engineers watching screens to try and you know alert to problems. Again, the cost of service uh, goes way up. Uh, so being able to do you know AI-based monitoring through Pure One, along with the APIs that we have uh, with Pure One to be able to allow partners to build their own services powered by Pure as a service, all of these things kind of came together to enable us to deliver Pure as a service in a much more uh, uh, much more functional and cloud-like experience than you get with some of the financial models from uh, competitors. Yeah, it's nice that we had all the pieces kind of in place to do that, and you make a great point about. Pure one and sort of that unified, you know, global management plane, not just for, you know, the on-prem pieces, but also, you know, connected into the cloud, which, which is a great thing. Um, you know, Rob, given your background in, in, in cloud services, how, how do you respond to the objection or, or maybe the question that um, this is just sort of a financial model or there's financial engineering? What, what data points or what do you point to to kind of break through that perception that, uh, well, Pierce just pushing out, you know, sort of a financing model? Um, I mean, I think that's probably a common industry-wide perception because that's a lot of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but I would, I would, you know, sort of uh, challenge anyone sort of, you know, dig under the covers a little bit, right? So, uh, you know, some of the issues around financing are, I mean, literally that they are financing options, meaning it's a lease. Uh, there's a period and there's perhaps a buyout on the end of it. There's sort of fixed capacities, uh, which are generally very high as a proportion of the storage um, on, on, um, on the customer's floor. Um, so really looking at the flexibility that comes with this model and comparing it to a, um, you know, hyperscaler offering. Uh, we really have used the uh, public cloud as our North Star for designing Pure as a service. And, you know, we're looking to, deliver as much of that model as possible. Um, I mean, it, it's more than just the economics, so that's obviously our focus here, but the operational um, capabilities and the self-service capabilities that JP was touching on earlier. Got it, okay. Yeah, good, because I, I think you make a good point there as well too, right? That there's sort of a perception because that's what others are doing. Um, and so that's what's you know kind of viewed as the norm. Um, JP, I'm always interested in, in transformation and what we can actually do for folks. And, you know, on these podcasts, we generally don't name customer names, but are there any instances or use cases where we've delighted a customer with this type of service? I mean, what kind of problems did we solve? Um, any that stand out to you? And Rob, I'll ask you same question after JP. 
Yeah, I can I can give you three off the top of my head, uh, and they all happen basically after March first of this year. <laughs> wow! Um, so one of them, uh, a large retailer, realized, okay, we need to double the size of our IT or of our uh, remote worker uh, footprint. Uh, so we we're able to get that up and running for them in basically a week. Um, one of the other customers uh, signed contract on Thursday and was installed and up and running on a Tuesday. Wow! Uh, which is amazing yeah. and that's that's the power of you know we're not going to quibble about what it needs to be sized at we're not going to quibble about you know the the cost of a capex deal we'll just put gear in place and you can start using it and pay as you go uh, so that's a really powerful thing um, my favorite story is a customer that did not realize that they were running out of space you know we all kind of got into this early march fight or flight and mm -hmm. you know the natural response is just to freeze Right. Uh, so who knows what they were working on in the meantime, uh, but we alerted that customer that they were running out of capacity. Their workload had uh, substantially increased and we were able to get additional capacity on the floor in about four days. So that type of elasticity and also proactively monitoring uh, the customer environment and responding as a true utility provided them a lot of value that they might not even have expected. Outstanding. Well, great examples and uh, very timely that those all happened after March 1st. It's not like you're digging out things from, you know, from a year ago. How about you, Rob? Any, any, uh, any that stand out different or are those the ones that you would necessarily highlight? I think from a, from a recency perspective, they're absolutely the right ones. But yeah. uh, from a bigger picture trend, um, one of the things that uh, I've, been, I've been impressed with is the um, traction we've gained in uh, banking and financial services. Mm, interesting. Um, you know, because I, I generally see that as a, uh, a vertical, it's hard to crack, right? Yeah. And if you, you know, if you can, um, you know, make customers like that happy from an audit compliance, uh, security, you know, and performance, quite frankly, perspective, um, you, you know, you know, you've got a pretty solid offering. And yeah. we've had, you know, quarter over quarter traction um, in, in those two uh, areas. And, um, you know, it just kind of makes me pretty proud of the underpinnings of the service we've put together because it gets through the scrutiny of that type of industry. Yeah, absolutely. And, and certainly, um, you know, the service delivery, I'm kind of struck by, by JP's example where, you know, they signed on a Thursday and we had things on Tuesday. So, you know, great testament to, you know, the folks behind the scenes that are going and implementing and, and making this happen and put that in practice. Very, very much so. I mean, that's kind of pure across the board, um, you know, not specifically pure as a service, but the fact that we get to, you know, leverage those same people, those same Puritans who care about customers so much, I mean, only makes pure as a service that much better. Yeah, and dovetails back to both of your comments about the culture being, you know, really that sort of driven teamwork, uh, persistent uh, that we talked about up top. Um, awesome. Um, JP, anything else you want to add uh, before we talk about where to go for more info? No, I think, uh, I think that about sums it up. Okay, cool. Well, where do folks go for more info on Pure as a Service since you're the marketing I knew, guy? I knew it was coming. Uh, they can go to uh, the website uh, under products, Pure as a Service, and there are links there that give you all the information you need. Uh, you can also go to uh, our blogs, and we have a few blog posts that have uh, information about the offers that we have currently. Yeah, and you had a great blog post recently that I, that's worth mentioning, right? Which, which is around the you know scaling a remote workforce and the tie-in to uh, Pure as a Service. All right, Rob, uh, closing comments from you. Um, thanks for sharing, by the way, uh, what you guys have been working on. Really exciting to see the momentum. Uh, but anything else that you would you would uh, want to close with here for for anybody listening? Um, yeah, thanks thanks for having us. And I would just say to anyone listening that's interested in a model like this to check it out. 
there's a lot of uh, sort of hidden benefits and sort of there's a few gotchas involved in what the market has to offer. Uh, so I would say check out the web resources that JP mentioned and then call your pure sales rep and get a you know, detailed walkthrough of what pure as a service can do for you. Fantastic. Well, thanks, gents, both for, uh, for squeezing this in. I know you have really busy calendars, um, but I love chatting with you and hope to have you back again very, very soon so we can hear more about what's going on with Pure as a service. And with that, we'll wrap. Thanks, everybody, for listening and for telling friends and colleagues. Keep sending in the topics, and we will keep bringing out great guests like Rob and Josh. And with that, uh, we will close for Pure Storage, Rob Walters. Josh Petty, this is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back, something might be gaining on you.